You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your hosts, Todd Fox, Maddie Matt, and Gabby. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them and that he was also a necrophiliac. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, and And today narrating will be Ty Fox. And uh, we'll be breaking down another episode. We'll be continuing from last week. But before we get into all that, we want to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Grinding True Crimes. And there you can like our page, follow our page, and leave a comment on our page. And we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Also, if you want to listen to us on your podcast streams, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podbine. And for those listening to us outside of the U.S., you can continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Go to redbubble.com, type in Fox 80 and there you can get uh, uh, purchase merchandise courtesy of Grinding True Crime, and also... If you would like to leave a Cash App donation, you can download the app, Cash App, and you can leave us a Cash App donation by typing in dollar sign, grinding through crimes. And with that being said, we want to let you guys know that listener's discretion is advised because we will go into details, in particular in this episode, uh, will be a little graphic for those uh, in the audience that might not be, uh, who might be squeamish. Listener's discretion, listener's discretion is advised. Okay. So, um, once again, this is going to be part two of the Night Stalker, right, Todd? Yes, sir. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're remaking it. So, this one should be really juicy with details and graphics. So, I'll let you take it away from here, Todd. All right. Thank you, sir. Also, like you was saying, a remix from our very first episode where we didn't have too much. We were just getting started, didn't have too much details. And uh, boy, did we miss a lot. So <clears throat> this is part two. It was a remake. And uh, so buckle your safety belts. This one's going to get pretty intense. Um, so in our last episode, we last left off with Richard Ramirez. Um, you know, if you haven't heard, you know, if you're starting with this episode, I suggest to go back to part one. Um, he's already several rapes into this. Uh, he's been, you know, gone through so much as a kid, um, you know, and then also he's been influenced the wrong way. He's been on drugs. He's truly a warped person at this time of part two. He has just committed his first ma- uh, murder up in the Bay Area where he took the life of a nine-year-old. We b- get pretty graphic into that one in part one. So, <clears throat> so now that I've caught you up on everything, um, he's in... Uh, Los Angeles at the time he's 24 years old and uh, he's gotten away from most of the hallucinogen uh, drugs and he's mostly into cocaine at this point Um, he's trying to to uh, you know continue to feed his habit and it's growing bigger and bigger and um, you know so to supply the 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 cocaine 
you know, he's got to he's got to keep breaking into homes and businesses and trying to fence or sell the stolen equipment or cars, anything he can at this point. He's a, he's a true cocaine fiend at this time. Mm. So um, in uh, on June 27th, 1984, uh, he was on the last bit of his cocaine. He had two grams left. He pumped into his system and he wanted more. So, using a stolen car, he was driving off the 5 freeway in the Glassell Park area, which is close, if you know the L.A. area, by the Forest Lawn Cemetery, uh, close to Eagle Rock. So, yes, it is. Yeah, it's not a rich area, right, Matt? No, it's not. Yeah. So, Richard would drive his uh, stolen car next to a rundown apartment complex. Um for whatever reason, he thought there was going to be a score in there. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> he walked up towards the side of the apartment, which was not facing the street. So he figured no one would see him break in. And he had a pair of gardening gloves on and uh, he was struggling with the screen and he couldn't get it off. So he took one of the gloves off and um, he realized, you know, the cocaine's really screwing me up. I can't, you know, can't do this right. So he figured he started to come off naturally off his little high and um, he took the screen off, but he left a partial print of his hand. So like a palm. Mm. Yeah, he left it on the windowsill. Not Um, smart. Not smart at all. So uh, once he entered, he began rummaging through the apartment and he didn't find anything worth the sell. And uh, this was pissing him off. And uh, because he was pissed off, and again, you're on a cocaine high and all that kind of stuff, um, he literally um, he literally was kind of going a little berserk right there. And he stumbled into one of the rooms in the apartment, and he found 79-year-old Jenny Vincow. Oh, no. Oh, man. And he figured, you know what? She had to pay the price. What? Yeah. What was she doing? What a <clears throat> jerk. She was sleeping, and her only problem was to him that she had nothing of value for him to steal. What? So, using the, from part one, the skills that his cousin Miguel taught him from coming back from the Vietnam War, Mm -hmm. he took a six-inch blade, Mm. stabbed her directly in the side of the neck, and then proceeded to drag the knife across her throat from ear to ear. Dang. Yeah, she's she didn't make that one. Ouch. No, she didn't. She bled out right in front of him. <sighs> and so what he did after this is gonna be a little vile as well. Um the He adrenaline, wasn't done? He he wasn't done. Um after he, he slit her throat and killed her, the adrenaline rush to him was so high and it was higher than anything cocaine had ever given him that he began to get extremely sexually aroused and just i mean again i'm not putting any comedy out there in this one for the most part or any kind of like voices or whatnot but i have to just ask the question he masturbated for over an hour i mean it's let's let's just be honest it's hard to masturbate for five minutes sometimes for an hour for an hour for an hour and one hour cocaine's a hell of a drug I guess so. I mean, he 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 masturbated for over an hour and then left. Is that what possible? Is, 
I, that's what it says. Um, you know, he was he in his testimony and everything. He stayed there for over an hour. I guess. God, oh. that's weird. Yep. He then took that some of the hurt you guys if you were there for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> we're all. <laughs> I'm just saying, what did it hurt? I mean, I, I got one word for you: chafing. chafing. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's that's pretty bad. Um, Blood burn. <laughs> yeah. Blood burn. Tug <laughs> burn. <laughs> Sunburn. All the burn. <laughs> yeah, that's some serious burning. That's that's, for sure. that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, he was. Why there did for... he masturbate? Just because he killed her? No, he said he actually aroused from the adrenaline that was killing her. So it, turned her, it, it turned him on sexually. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So that is so weird to me how people commit crimes and that turns them on. I don't understand that. They're in a whole new world. Yeah, exactly. So that <laughs> after he does that, he takes some of the blood on the floor and mm-hmm. rub, rubs it on himself and then takes off. What? Yeah, he's some kind of sick. Mm-hmm. And he's in his mind praying to Satan, saying, thank you for protecting me from law enforcement. Wow. Yep. He felt that Satan had been guiding him through his entire journey this time back in Los Angeles, so he felt empowered. Wow. Yeah, man. Something wrong with him. And the worst thing about this is her, um, one of her youngest sons would go to check up on her in the morning and find her body uh, in that state and would call the police so the police would only get a partial handprint as we talked about and uh, that's it they had no other leads no one saw him he was in and out of there before they knew it so Richard would go on to fuel his growing cocaine habit but um, after that murder he realized you know what I'm still gonna rob these places but um, I'm gonna lay off the cocaine a little bit it's making me very sloppy so he actually went cold turkey a little bit. Wow. Yeah, he, he but it didn't stop him from robbing places and because he God forbid this dude gets a job. So he's like, nah, I can't do that. Can't uh, do it. Yeah, I love breaking into places, scaring people, taking their stuff. It's like psh, why do I need to work? Some people are just pure evil. Yeah, yeah. So he was uh he was a bad person, man. So we fast forward now to March 17th, 1985. And he's done just in between <clears throat> just a bunch of, you know, thefts and stuff like that. He hasn't really um, done, you know, a lot of, of, of drugs or he hasn't murdered anybody as far as we know. Um, but March 17th, 1985, this would all change. Uh, you have a date. Yeah, using some money that he had recouped from selling some of the properties and st- from stolen houses over the last couple months, mm-hmm. he actually, you know, by not using drugs, was saving money. He had a place to stay. Um, he bought a 22 caliber gun from a man downtown. And because of areas in Los Angeles and to this day, like Alvera Street, <laughs> you can go down there at any time and pretty much buy, uh, you know, a passport, birth certificate, <laughs> anything. You name it. Yeah. <laughs> they sell anything down there, and it's mostly illegal, but you can get pretty good things that uh, look very legal, but they're super illegal. But, uh, yeah. Very much so. I wouldn't know anything about that. Very much so. <laughs> yeah. 
it is definitely the black market outside. You know what I mean? Like in the open. Downtown. <laughs> yep. It's oh, yeah, a, it's, you can get anything out there. Yeah, Tattoos. you can. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely one of a kind, that's for sure. So, um, what do you think he wants to do with this 22? Do I think, something. I think he wants to test it out on, a, on someone's flesh. Okay. Gabby? He just wants to shoot something. Yeah, he just wants to take somebody out or something, right? So you guys are both right on that one. That's like a no-brainer with this cycle. No-brainer. So he steals a car. And, of course, mm-hmm. I mean, again, he's stealing cars really regularly. It's just not a problem for him. Um, he's never on any of these lists as far as people that have stolen things or they're going to get caught. So he takes it to the city of Rosemead. You guys know where that's at? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I know where it's at. Yep. He drives past a 1985 brand new uh, gold Camaro. So if you know what one of those looks like, it's a pretty fresh car. There it is. Yep. He sees it go past him. He turns around and follows that car. And uh, that car turns into an uh, entryway there in Rosemead of a condominium. Um, it's young Maria Hernandez, who's just 22 years old. She pulls into her garage in her condominium. She Now picture this. She's in her garage. She's pressing close on the door. All of a sudden, uh, out of nowhere, Richard Ramirez, dressed all in black with an ACDC hat, in, hat on his head, slides under the garage door as it's closing like Indiana Jones did in the movie. Wow. <clears throat> but his hat comes off, but he doesn't pick up the hat like Indiana Jones did. He just lets it sit there. <laughs> just lets it sit. That would be a clue for later. Um, but the Mm. door closed, she turns around and in sheer panic to see him right in front of her face, he pulls the 22 and fires. Oh, wow. She hits the deck like nobody's business. Now, as soon as she hits the ground, he hears a scream coming from inside of the condominium, which there's a door that accesses from the garage to the kitchen and Richard enters. And he goes into the kitchen to see Dale Okasakawa. She's a 34-year-old roommate of Hernandez. Mm. She sees him, and he pretty much ducks, or she ducks behind the kitchen t- uh, t- countertop, where it's a, sort of like an island in the middle of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and now he's playing God. She's right behind there. She's got nowhere to go. He's in the kitchen. He's got his gun pulled. And he tell and she says, get up. And she and, and she says, no. And then he says, I'm not going to shoot you. She stands up. He fires right into her forehead. Damn. Uh, she she's dead before she hits the ground. Uh. So with the shot ringing out, he hears a scream from the front yard. Oh, my God. And so he's like, oh, my God, someone heard the gunshot. I can't stay here and ransack this house. So instead of exiting out the garage where his hat was, he ran for the front door. Who do you think he saw? Mm. I'm going to say one of their... Dang, this is a tough one. I'm going to say one of their relatives. Gabby? I'm thinking a third roommate. Nope. He saw young Maria Hernandez. 
Oh, the first one he shot? Yeah, the first one he shot was not in the garage, but she had ran around to the front of the house. Oh, shoot. She was still alive? Yeah. She screamed, and he pointed the gun at her, was trying to shoot, but he said Satan told him not to and that she deserved to live. She was worthy, and he took off to his car and drove off while she stood there screaming until neighbors came out and called the police. She was alive. She survived a headshot. No, here's the thing. That's what that's why he thought she was worthy because he shot her in the head or he aimed for her head, but what happened was she put her hands along with her keys in front of her head. Oh, oh wow. The 22 caliber bullet is small. It hit sure is. it hit off the keys directly. And so it left her only with a flesh wound on her face and it knocked her backwards where she played dead the bullet never penetrated her body wow smart woman yeah so she but she wasn't expecting him to come out the front door so but uh again police police would come to the scene and that's the only thing that they found no fingerprints just the acdc hat you know so um she was unfortunately like her roommate was not as lucky the roommate died on the floor um so she was she was gone unfortunately and that was rosemead california which is just north of the 10 freeway by the 605 freeway in los angeles which is like the eastern part of los angeles county um so being sexually aroused from this murder and attempted murder he pulled over for 45 minutes and was rethinking it in his head and pleasuring himself. What the heck is wrong with this man? <clears throat> oh, there's a lot wrong with this guy. Guys, man. Yeah. So he just pulled over in the middle of the road and just starts. Yeah, just on a street over there, not too far from where they were at, from the, the crime scene, and just played with himself. Crank yankers. Yeah. So he's 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 flapping away. And um, it's it's sort of towards the middle of the night, air, you know, around two in the morning. He drives two cities over off the 60 freeway in the 710, which is Monterey Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard would see a young Veronica Yu driving down the street. He turned around and started tailgating her for a little while. <clears throat> she um she fought, you know he she pulls over to let him pass, but he pulls up right next to her. And she leaned out the the window and said, why are you following me? Like, what's your problem? And then he just had a grin. And before you know it, he jumped out as quickly as he could, jumped into her car because, again, these cars don't have automatic locks like the ones that today. Uh You you know, if you don't if you didn't push it, the, the, the handle down or whatever, the little button down, that door is open. Anyone can just open and come right in. Mm-hmm. So, um. And this is this is literally an hour after he just did the the almost double homicide. Jeez. He pulls in the car and he just tussles with her for a second and then he realizes nothing's going his way. He shoots her in the torso. Ooh. She gets out and on adrenaline she starts running down the street. He comes right behind her, shoots her in the back. She drops to the floor screaming and then he just gets in the car and speeds off. Man. So yep. he's just killing for pleasure. It's not even like because he did something to them and he doesn't want them to say anything. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. She survived though, right? 
here's what happens. Uh, witnesses came out as she's screaming in the middle of the street. It's 2 in the morning. They come out to try to render aid. But before uh, paramedics could get there, she passes away. She bleeds out. Oh, man. Yep. So right here, the kill counts at four already. Man. Um, he, so as the police were investigating this, there's really, I mean, the problem with these cases early on, too, is Los Angeles is a huge freaking county. Sure is. And, and we've talked about on cases, whether it's been Gabby doing them, me or, or Maddie, you know, back in the day in the 70s and 80s, police agencies don't talk to each other. So even if you're the next city over, they're not sharing information. And you would have three murders or two murders with an attempted with a 22 and random. Someone would have put that together and they didn't do it. Nobody shared information. And these were separate cases. This could have been justified as a serial killer right away. Yeah. But nothing happens. So because of this, just 10 days later, he would commit some more atrocities. So dri driving down the 60 freeway, you run into the 605 freeway, which is uh, if you go a little bit south on the 605, you run into my hometown, Whittier, California. Whittier. Yes, Whittier, California. And that's where I currently live right now, but I'm not in where this I used to live almost like walking distance, like less than five minutes away from this murder. I remember you telling me. Yeah, um, I'm in South Whittier now, but this part is up in up in uptown Whittier which is mostly a lot of like really good looking homes from like the 1920s and 40s a lot of historical landmarks it's a rich rich area you know like like there's a lot of nice people up there it's really quiet um, so this is off Philadelphia Street where the main high school is just walking distance from that um, the house no longer exists there because of what happened the bad publicity um, the people that would drive by and look at the murder house, sort of just like OJ's house, you know, like mm. famous famous murder houses. They t they tend to turn those tear those down, you know. Um, but anyway, we're we got another date. Um, uh oh, this is March twenty seventh, nineteen eighty five. So, this sucks because unbeknownst to the homeowners, it's Vincent Charles Zazara. He's sixty four. And his wife, Maxine Leviana Zazara, 44, um, their house was on that corner of Philadelphia right there. And they had been burglar burglarized a year prior by Richard. Oh, dang. Yeah, he stole some pretty expensive stuff from their house. So he knew that house was loaded. Damn. But see, when he came in 84... He had a different mindset. It was just to feed his habit. Now he wants to feed Satan, and he wants to kill for that adrenaline rush. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, he pulls up to the house, um, entering through a side window on a five-gallon bucket that was sitting right by the bathroom window. Um, he enters into the house. Uh, he goes over by the uh, living room and... Richard would see uh, Mr. Zazara sleeping and in the uh, just in his, just watching television. Mm -hmm. And he pulls up right next to him while he's in his sleep and just pulls the trigger with a 22 right to the head. Jesus. So he didn't even know. He till this day he don't know. Yeah, he's he never he never saw it coming. Yeah. 
just killed him right where he was. Um, Where's the wife? The wife is in the bedroom. She hears the gunshot, and she freaks out, of course, startled, half awake. It's in the middle of the night. It's like 3 in the morning. Richard pulls a gun on her and tells her, you know, orders her to show him where the valuables are. She refuses. So then he hits her and ties her up, rapes her, and then decides to go looking for himself. Mm. So what do you think happens after that? Um, I'm going to say after he did what he did to her, he finds the jury. He's already aroused, wax off his snake for about an hour, and then comes back and kills her. Gabby? I'm thinking he might have not tied her very well, and while he's looking around, she gets loose. Half a point for uh, Maddie, but a uh, full point for Gabby. Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, um, he goes into the closet, and, um, you know, he's he's rummaging through his stuff he's finding a few things she slips out of her ties and she grabs a shotgun which is lying next to the bed what she turns or he he hears you know when you cock a gun you cock a gun click? yeah she cocks it and he's like oh god like that or oh satan i'm done you know what i mean like that's it and he turns around and she's got it pointed right at his chest and she goes to pull the trigger, which she does. No. Oh. No bullets in the chamber. Oh, man. Her husband had removed the bullets just days prior when he was cleaning the gun. What? Yep. Because they, bought, they bought that gun, ironically, just for that reason, because their house had been burglarized the first time around. Jesus, fate. So he shoots her. He takes his uh, twenty-two out with a grin and shoots her three times in the chest. <sighs> While she's still alive, he goes to the kitchen, grabs a, a kitchen knife, and stabs her several times just above the vagina area. Oh, shoot. Then as she passes away, he carves a pentagram which is the sign of the devil with that star around the circle and like a goat's mm-hmm. head or whatever in her stomach. Yeah. This man's possessed. And then he's not done. What? With, he's not done with her? No. What? He's so what enraged. He's so enraged by what she tried to do to him that he feels that he needs to do more. He carves out her eyes. Oh, my oh. God. Puts him in a glasses case that she had her glasses in and takes it with him before stealing whatever he could find in the residence. What mm. a freaking freak. Yeah, this man's nuts. It was a horrific scene. The police could not believe the amount of just overkill in that house. And they did find one thing right away, and that was a shoe print that was on the outside of the flower bed when he tried to leave out the back window. Mm. So they had a shoe print and that shoe print was, I don't know if you know this brand, it's still around now, but it was supposedly like the next Adidas. It was called Avia. 
Oh, Avia. A-V-I-A. Mm-hmm. It's more of like a track type or sportsman's mm-hmm. type shoe. Like tennis players like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a size 11. And the Avia shoes had just come out. So there was very few of them in the Los Angeles County area. Avia. Yo. Okay, so hold on. This bastard was so angry that he did all that crap because she tried to kill him. Correct. Okay, but nobody has the right to defend their home and be angry and try to kill him after he breaks in and kills her husband. Okay, that makes sense. Well, because he felt that he, you know, Satan was protecting him and that was a sign for him to do the, you know, the worst that he could possibly do, I guess. Because that's what some of the stuff he was saying in his testimony later. It's just stupid. Like, <laughs> he's going to get so angry because they're about to shoot him. But mm-hmm. he can do whatever the hell he wants. Criminal's logic in life, they have none. Yeah, that was his own sick reasoning with it all, basically. Ugh. So, <clears throat> this is... Yeah, so he he's covered in her blood, obviously, from head to toe, from what he's mm-hmm. done. And, um, you know, so... We now jump into another twist in the story. Twist. Oh. Um, if you guys get a chance after this, check out the Netflix special on either the Night Stalker or um, the Cecil Hotel, because the Cecil Hotel is a da- is a downtown hotel which has been you know was originally built one of the tallest buildings in Los Angeles in the early twenties, fourteen stories high, but it's oh. got a history of suicides, murder, drug use. Um, uh, just strange things happening that it, like that Lisa Liam chick that wound up freaking out in the elevator. A lot of people were like, is she possessed? And then she winds up uh, being stuck in the water, um, the water containers in the top of the building. Just a crazy story. But there's so much like craziness in there. He part of the craziness of that hotel and the hauntings and people seeing and hearing ghosts is that Richard Ramirez, that's where he was paying weekly to stay. And he pulled up to there after he committed these murders and ran through the hotel, through the through the upstairs, you know, stairs where he passed a lot of people, bloody from head to toe, barefoot, and no one said a goddamn thing. Wow. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, exactly. Is this that hotel that they're going to, I had heard they're going to reopen? Yeah, they're going to reopen it. <laughs> That is being turned into apartments or something? Yeah, half of it's going to be affordable housing for the less fortunate. The other half is going to remain a hotel. Wait I don't, a minute. Yeah, I don't how, know how that works, but that's how they're going to do it. Let me ask you a question, Tom Fox. Are you going in there? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might tour the place, but I'm not going to stay there. Dude, they're going to turn it you into an apartment. You would think they would have turned left. it up into this fancy place. Exactly. To get a lot of money out of which I'm sure they could, but mm-hmm. with people who are sane. <laughs> yeah, open enough for basically low income, low income or people off the streets, basically. Well, so it's going like to be-, be more crime. Yeah, it's it's basically that's what it was in the early or in the 40s and 50s. It turned into that after the depression. So you had a lot of low income people living there, and it went that way all the way through the 80s before they finally shut it down and they started letting tourists come in and. And they re- they revamped it then, but it got a bad name after the recent murders and crazy stuff that's happened. So, yeah, Gabby's right. They're they're trying to bring it back, but half and half, it's kind of weird. Yeah, that's gonna be. 
good luck That's with a bad them, idea. Good luck with them not having high crime in there. Oh yeah. I mean, that place was filled with drugs and a lot of people were getting raped up in there too. So I mean, you, so Richard Ramirez just he fit right in with all that. He man, did. So, he yeah. did. Yep. So that w- that happened then. And then something weird happened because again, this this case has so many twists and turns. It has done like this guy's not the unconventional. That's another reason why, because it's not like he was he up until this point he was using the twenty two caliber. Yes, but mm-hmm. he did stuff outside the box, like the stabbings and the stuff like that. To where even if it hit the news, another agency wouldn't be like, "Oh, that sounds like my case," you know, because of what he's next gonna do mm-hmm. is gonna throw some police off until something important comes up again. So let me let me just try to explain that. Go ahead. What did he do? Okay, so a couple days later, and this is what's gonna suck. So for all those that have kids, this is a part that's. Uh, oh, yeah. here we go. Six days later, after the double homicide in Whittier, um, a girl in the uh, the uh, Monterey Park area, six-year-old Anastasia Arona, is fast asleep in her six? bed. Six yes. years old. Six Don't years do old. this, time. Don't do this. Oh, sorry, it's part of the story, man. Um, he would remove her screen. Um, he reached in and grabbed her from her bedroom, uh, in her bed. It was in the middle of the night, and he took her. Now she did not scream because he looked like a relative of hers. Oh. Yeah. All she remembers is that he had really bad breath, really bad teeth. He got her into a car, and they drove for a couple blocks to the Cecil Hotel, where he would molest her outside of the hotel. When he was done touching her and things of that nature, he decided to tell her to get into the duffel bag that he had. Mm. And she complied once he showed her the gun that he had as well. Um... When she got in the duffel bag, he carried her all the way up to his floor, whatever floor it was in the Cecil Hotel. And then her next memories are of flies, uh, fast food boxes, and and just trash everywhere, unkept apartment. And she began to get physically uh, molested again to where she kept saying, I need to use a restroom. And he would give her bathroom breaks and you know holding her on the sink so she could use the restroom not in the toilet and she did this several times until he was finally like look i know you don't have to use the restroom and she felt even at six years old he he didn't want to do it but he was doing it anyway and he told her get back into the uh duffel bag and she did and he carried her back down to the car to where he drove to a local gas station and told her to get out and call the police or tell the cashier to call the police to get your parents to come. And he drove off. Wow. What so he, the heck? He left her, yeah. So because of this, the police would investigate. And uh, they found out also in three different cities, because this sparked more outrage, that the six-year-old had been kidnapped, that there was three other abductions in the last three days of children 
from the Montebello school. From So right after school, Richard had abducted a young girl mm-hmm. from a Glasgow a Park residence, a young boy, and another oh, girl. Yeah, a little boy. And also one girl from the Monterey Park area. Mm-hmm. So, so the ages of the girl was six years old, another one, a nine-year-old boy, and an 11-year-old girl. Oh, man. And where were these kids? Two of the kids were in their home. The one was abduct- abducted, leaving school. And he molested them, but dropped them back off at various places to where they can make phone calls and whatnot. So he wouldn't kill the kids. He would not kill the kids. So this what was... What kind of sick mind desires a child... Mm-hmm. Well, he's already proven he's sick. I mean, yeah, he's disgusting, but I'm just like in shock that he would go looking for a child to molest. Like, the heck? Yeah. And this was a this was four abductions and kidnappings, one in broad daylight, the other three at night, and nobody had any clues. All they knew that what the kids had told them that it was a, you know, a description of a either Latino or a light skin, light skin Latino or or a Caucasian with long hair, bad teeth, bad breath, tall, you know, driving a yellow car. That's all. That's all, all they had. Drugs. Yeah. <clears throat> bad teeth and bad breath. Mm-hmm. So this is this is all they had to go on, and this was not being reported to homicide because there was no connection. Mm. So how was there no connection? Because they had not figured they had not had a description of the car because the car was never seen by anybody that lived. Mm. So, but the kids had the description of the car. Now, what ties the the? Because now you have the homicide people working homicide. The, the crimes against children and, you know, kidnapping and the FBI even are on the other side. But what happens is what ties it together is that two of the abductions, there's a via footprints. Mm. And one smart detective, Mr. Jill Carrillo, in 1985. Was working, yep, he was working homicide and he and he was on the case of he, he was literally taking care of those other cases. And the other detective from who was t- who famously seven years prior took care of the Hillside Strangler cases and they were working together and they heard some detectives talking about these cases and that uh, via shoe was involved and that sparked Gil right away. And Gil was like, hey, he was convincing his partner like this is one guy. This is a freaking serial killer, man. This is one guy. And I bet you those other cases match, too. And the other detectives were like, no, 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 you're not. It, it can't be the same guy. We've never seen this before. And then they started getting the drawings from the kids and then the drawings from any of the other um, victims or people that saw him fleeing the murders. Mm-hmm. And they're all, man, those are too close together. Like they, the drawings look too much like the same guy. Mm-hmm. And so eventually um, they were like, we got to look into this more. You know, we, we need to get some more manpower. So they got they convinced that their their uh, detectives and, and uh, higher ups to 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 give them some more manpower to try to go after this guy. Mm-hmm. So as they were and they were looking and trying new leads, looking into more things, on May fourteenth, nineteen eighty five, this one's gonna suck too. Oh um, man, the Doy family, 
uh, in the city of Monterey parked. Uh, it was uh, the, the husband and wife of Bill and Lillian Doy. Um, both were Japanese immigrants who migrated over to the United States in the early 1930s. Um, the, uh, the husband, Bill, was a World War II veteran who was, in, who was a Japanese-American. Who, he became a citizen, then fought for America against his own people. And he was a very highly decorated uh, officer in the 442, 442nd unit of the United States Army. Uh, you know, he went out of uh, the war, started a trucking company, very successful. Him and his wife lived in the Monterey Park area for a good while. Um, but unfortunately, he, he had to retire early at the age of 63 because he had a stroke three years prior. Mm. And his wife, unfortunately, at the age of 50, 55, um, she had a stroke earlier that year. But she was 56 at the time. Thanks. Yeah. So they yeah. both... They both suffer strokes early. Um, She had been recovering, going through speech therapy, learning how to walk and regain her strength. And he was taking care of her. And uh, the the two were in bed at the time. And uh, our boy Richard pulls up to their house. And while they're sleeping that very night, he says a prayer to Satan, as you do. And uh, Satan gave him the power, apparently, to go through their bathroom window. As he crawled through, he got in there, snuck through the house. Um, he goes to the bedroom where, again, you try sneaking up on one of these World War II veterans. You know, none, there's not too many of them left. But if you try to back in the day, that's just not going to happen. They've seen so much. They've done so much. Um, they Take have. Yeah, they have quick reflexes, right, Gabby? Heightened mm-hmm. senses. Yeah, they have heightened senses. So he gets up and to his credit. That man charges at, at uh, Richard, and Richard is almost caught off guard. But unfortunately, he pulls a gun just in time to shoot right through Bill's head. <sighs> but here's the twist. Bill's not dead. What? The bullet goes in his head and out his head. He's still struggling with Richard. But Richard gets the upper hand knocks him to the ground and just starts beating him with a gun and with his fist. His wife can barely scream because obviously her speech therapy, you know what I mean? So you're not, she's not, she can barely move, you know, she's still trying Mm -hmm. to get her functions. Mm -hmm. So she's just lying there in bed. She can't do nothing to help him. So sad. Yeah, so (sighs) Bill goes into unconsciousness then he turns his attention to poor Lillian, who's in the in the bed. Um, she's trying to stay silent, but he doesn't care. And uh, his bloodlust continues. He would restrain her, even though he didn't need to. And then he proceeded to ra- uh, to rape her. What? Yeah, he raped her. Gosh, these people There's are nothing older. She could do. What a- There's absolutely nothing she could do. Um. He ransacked the house for 15 minutes and then he disappeared into the night. Um, he didn't kill her. She would have died. She would have died. But as he left her there on the bed, um, you know, because obviously he, he unconnected her from her stuff that she needed as well. And uh, Bill woke up. Oh, he did. Bill woke up 
and he crawled to the uh, phone, called the paramedics. And when the first re- responders found him, he was clinging to life, barely breathing. They took his wife. They were out, able to help her out. He only lasted a couple more hours. He did not get to surgery in time. Uh, he passed away. Uh, Lillian would go on to live six more years before she passed away on natural causes in 1991. The most horrific six years of her life, I'm sure. Pretty much. I'm quite sure. I'm quite sure. But he saved her life. Yeah, he did. He did save her life. I mean, had he not come yeah, I mean this. I'm telling you, this this guy is. That's why he's uh, one of the most feared serial killers of all time. You just on one. I know this is old, and I know what the history, you know, what happened to him. But I'm getting pissed off, man, as if he's still alive. Like I'm mm-hmm. trying to get. I'm trying, I'm trying, he's dead. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying is, I'm I'm pissed off, like as if it's right now. Did he suffer at least? Uh, I'll get to that because that's in that's yeah, it's gonna be for later. Um, Damn it, Matt! I mean, we already did the story. I'm sorry. I just know. The story. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, My emotions is just just out of this room. I'm pissed. I know. I know. It's it's tough, man. It really is tough. Um, you know, police would investigate this one. Um, this would not come back to. Gill and his partner till later on you know they, they would they would pick up on this case too this would be thrown their way they're starting to figure out that this is all linking together and to give you a perspective on the homicide rate in Los Angeles because right now I think the homicides are down to about 300 or 400 a year for Los Angeles County and that's with 6 million people now at the mm. time in 1985 there was just over 3 million people living in the Los Angeles County area so that tells you what kind of growth we've had and but for that time with three million people there was an average of well that year anyway 1985 there were 778 homicides that's a lot there is that's a lot so that's a lot of drug related crime a lot of gang crime there was quite a few serial killers working at this time so yeah there was a lot of murder los angeles was a dangerous place it was a very dangerous place um, one last thing, though, from this this case is that Lillian did mention to police that he had bad breath. The bad breath, man. The bad breath so is falling. So they know it's him now. Yeah, they're they're starting to link it together with this one too. So there's no Johnsons at this point. No, the Johnsons weren't 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 the only Johnsons were the ones that were criticizing Gill and his partner that were first saying that it was a serial killer thing. They're like, no, it's not that. And they were acting all stupid. <laughs> But uh, wrong voice, Todd. Oh, hey, this ain't no serial killer. We got a lot of them killers up in here. <laughs> they from LA, man. They not here, Billy. Now you talking about some big city stuff here in Los Angeles? This is a small town of Los Angeles. Only three million people. Come on now. <laughs> Gotta throw in here, Billy Bob, huh? You know, I picture when he talks like that. The what? truck from Cars. Oh, oh Mater. Mater. <laughs> it's a bunch of Mainers running around. <laughs> so yeah. Dang. Well, at least at least they finally zeroing in on who it is. 
Yeah, they're they're well, they don't know who it is, but they're they're figuring it's got to be one guy. Yeah, so, now they know it's the same person. Yeah, well, right, they're, they're running in on like they're figuring out that it's one person. Yeah. So. Bad yeah, so Ramirez, Ramirez now steals another car a few nights later in, in Monrovia, California. And Monrovia, California is a really quiet city, dude. It's a, you it know, is. Yeah, it's a nice town. A lot of old re- retired mm-hmm. people and families. So it's pretty quiet. Um, Richard sneaks into a house where um, the sister, his two sisters, uh, Florence Nettie Lang and her sister Ma Bell. Uh, Ma Bell was born... Uh, was 83 years old, born in 1902 at the time. And Nettie was born in 1906 and was 78 at the time. So they're five years apart. Um, A crime that kind of baffled police because it was so random how he found them and also the weapon he used was not what he was using in any of these other ones. He just, it was a it was sort of just a weapon that was found right there. For whatever reason, the, the sisters had a hammer somewhere, either on the outside of the house or as you walk in. And he would beat them with a hammer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would beat them with a hammer. Uh, he tied them both up and he found uh, Ma Bell's lipstick and he would draw on the back of her thigh the pentagram. And then the most famous picture, if you look it up, he, he draws a pentagram on the wall with lipstick. The sign, mm. of, the sign of Satan. This guy is this guy's online. What do you think he does after that? Okay. He beat her. He beat them with the hammer. Takes the lipstick, draws the pentagram. And all that I'm going to say he rapes them and then finishes them off. Yeah. I think if he beat them with a hammer, they're pretty much done. Or at least not conscious anymore. But I'm going to agree. I think he did rape them. And if he didn't, he just got off to seeing them. Well, you're both kind of right. He didn't rape both of them, but he raped Ma Bell. Um, The 80-year-old? The 83-year-old, yeah. What the hell? I'm just, look, hey, man, I'm not going to, you know paint pictures here but come on <laughs> yeah what do you see in that yeah well i mean like, it's it's hard to see i mean if you if you remember the part one with all the nasty stuff he was seeing in his head as a kid i mean mm-hmm. it got even worse when he was an adult god because he's 25 at this time and she's 83 like what how well, yeah. why Ugh. Like that's just that's just wrong. Yeah, I mean he he fled the 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 house too, um, and no one saw him come in. No one saw him leave. So a couple days go by, and uh, some some friends that usually visit the two sisters because they're known in the area uh, see the newspapers piling up, and they get a little worried. So they enter the house to find both of them in a bloody mess. The thing is, they're both alive. What? They're both alive. Two days later, um, police and fire would re- uh, rush over there to, to render aid. Ma Bell would only survive a couple more days in the hospital. She she passed away due to her um, the beating. And her sister would last two more months before succumbing to her injuries in the hospital. Was she in a coma? 
Uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Dang, man. And they found another important clue, which was the Avia shoe print on the outside uh, front dirt lawn. This man clearly doesn't change his clothes. Yeah, he probably smells too. Probably smells like gross. That's what I'm saying. Putting his thing all up in people. That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. So we're not done. Poor lady. Are you serious? Yeah, this continues. So, despite this, the police now are getting pressure because there's a, you know, because they're now they know and the, the media is starting to figure out that these all might be connected because they've been able to keep this hush hush from the media. But mm-hmm. some people in the police department sometimes get paid by the media to leak certain things. Yeah. So they're leaking it a little bit that this could be one guy. And once they found the shoe over here, they're like, dude, this, this is a serial killer. But before they can grasp all that, Ramirez steals another car on May 30th, 1985, drives to Burbank, which is in the North Hollywood area, goes to Carol <laughs> Kyle's home. Now, he finds Carol and he, he at gunpoint once he breaks into the house and he tells her, is anyone else in this house? She says, my 11-year-old son, to which he ties her up, then goes to tie him up and shoves him in the closet threatens to kill her her uh, her young son and he tries to uh, well he repeatedly tries to rape Carol <clears throat> as he's having trouble keeping it up he's like you know what I'm just gonna kill you and then she says no 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 I'll do anything I want to live I want to live I want to live and you know this and that and she's offering to do you know sexual things even you know to him if if he spare her life and his and his son and she's not to hell with that I need you to denounce God and praise Satan. So he makes her say it over and over. And then when he's satisfied, he leaves her tied up in her son and he takes off. Dang, (sighs) so her bagging worked. Mm -hmm. She was able to spare uh, or he was she was able to keep her life and her son's life. But a mistake by Richard, the shoe print was left and also uh, stinky breath. The stinky breath and the description, and it was, yeah. So now, these you know now the police are like, okay, this is just more evidence that's one guy. They're trying to key in on him. They're trying everything they possibly can. Wow. So, now you fast forward to June twenty eighth, nineteen eighty five. The city of Arcadia, which is just down the, the freeway of the 210, where the 605 meets. Mm-hmm. Richard breaks into the home of Patty Elaine Higgins. She's 32 years old. He enters the room and the residence at the uh, and leaves a shoe print on the outskirts of the house, like he had done before. Mm-hmm. And he caught Patty while she was going to use the restroom. He came behind her and he used that one motion that he used with the first 79 year old victim he just straight up stabbed her in the neck and slit her from one side of the ear to the next she turned around and just hit the floor and bled out (sighs) yep so this is all in the same year 1985 yeah 1985 he's just brutally killing left and right how do you get this strength or I don't it's so confusing to me 
And he's sober at this time. He's not he's not on cocaine like he was. Just straight up just slice someone's neck open from one side to the other. Ugh. Mm-hmm. So you know, they were they automatically realized this was him again. This was you know, the guy. And again, you know, it's not out there that uh you know <laughs> that this is that this is a uh, homicide yet and uh, or that this is attributed to the serial killer it's not out there yet there's no name for him yet um so then all of a sudden you know they're investigating Gil and his partner and everything the arcadia police uh c- calls the lapd task force on july 2nd now a few mm-hmm. days later 1985 to inform them that they've got another murder Ramirez had stolen a car and driven up to the residence of Mary Louise Cannon, a 62-year-old. Just like the prior murder um, before in Arcadia, he sneaks up on her and grabs her lamp, smashes her it over her head before getting on top of her and from behind, and he slits her from ear to ear, where she <sighs> cut out and died on the floor. <sighs> And it, he went from the twenty-two to to stabbing to beating people. Now just back to stabbing. Back to stabbing. Mm-hmm. And they found at this crime scene another shoe print and another palm uh, palm print at the residence. <sighs> so he's getting gratification from all these murderers. Correct. And they still can't figure out who the hell the guy is. They have no clue. They have no clue still. Doesn't so, anyone know him? <laughs> not at this point. He's again like they have a drawing of him, but no one has a name. No one has anything. So just three days later, on July 5th, 1985, young Whitney Bennett is in the is in her house she's 16 years old she has a brother and two parents but they're asleep in their beds um it's middle of the night it's sierra madre which is not too far from arcadia and um you know just down the 210 as well she he climbs into her window and without hesitation he uses a tire iron what and he begins beating the crap out of her as she as she tried to defend herself, he bashes her head in where she her, she has suffers a skull fracture. Then she, he takes her own telephone cord, which a lot of kids don't know what that is today. <laughs> All right. And Back. wraps it around her throat and begins to straddle her and try to strangle her to death because him beating her with a tire iron didn't work enough because he hit her repeatedly over the head, repeatedly on the backside of her body too, and on the front. Oh. That's that's too much. He believes he kills her at one point when she passes out. So the kind thing that he does is he masturbates over her before he leaves. And her parents didn't hear anything? Nothing. How? So the thing is, though, she would survive. What? She survived, and to this day gives all praise to Jesus for saving her life. She felt that he was protecting her. Uh, she would suffer months of recovery, however, um, 
she had 42 lacerations, including that skull fracture, and she would uh, need uh, countless surgeries to repair things and uh, and countless stitches. But but he was so uh, matter of fact with her. um, He left a bloody footprint of the Avia shoe on her uh, sheet when he was beating her. So this guy's getting sloppy, man. Well, he already has been. Mm-hmm. He's getting sloppy. Yep. So now that the Avia shoes were in the molestations, the last few cases they all had the Avia shoes, the attempted abductions, and uh, you know, and all that other stuff, the kidnappings. It was now a big media circus. Like now, the media was all over it, and they mm-hmm. were they had linked it all together. And that's when the name Night Stalker came through the L.A. Times and all over every news channel was a lead story was the Night Stalker strikes again. And just a couple weeks before in Eagle Rock, he tried to abduct a child, which the child fought him off. And the police officer, you know, was warned in the area that there was a yellow car, which he was still using at the time and um, to look for that car. And um the, the motorcycle cop pulled over Richard and ordered him to get out because he, he said, you know, you uh, you fit the description of somebody. I need you to stand, put your hands on the on the, the hood. And mm-hmm. uh, he's like, well, I don't have a license. He's like, OK, well, let me look up the uh, the information of the registration in the car. Now, Richard knew the car was stolen. And uh, I forgot we do have a Johnson. The Johnson was that police officer because he should have put him in handcuffs. <laughs> Oh, wow. Because as soon as he turns his back, he's like, now where did that guy go? And Richard took off. He just ran into the night. Stupid. Wow. Yeah. So he could have prevented a few more killings had he not uh, let him get away. But he didn't know. Idiot. Yeah, he didn't know. If he fits the description of someone, how are you going to say you don't know? (laughs) Exactly. I'm not a cop, and even I know you will restrain that person and make sure that you at least take him to the station and have people like check him out. Yeah, because I mean, the cop was probably like, "Hey, that guy has some Avia shoes on. He looked like the murderer." <laughs> and boy, did that breast mail on that boy! He goes, "But uh, you know, it could have been anybody." <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so disrespectful, Todd. I'm quite sure that guy tried as best he can. Yeah, okay. He's like, he's like, we're we're looking for a guy that matches all them descriptions and whatnot, but uh, it could have been anybody. He shouldn't have been a dang cop. Oh my goodness! <sighs> it's always the lack of people doing their job mm-hmm. that causes more people to be harmed or die. Agreed. Yep. Why do you take such a heavy responsibility if you're not going to take it seriously? Go home. And this was uh this was just before the media went all over it, but still the the entire police task force, they knew that they were hunting a serial killer at this time, so the cops should have known, you know, they get those briefings every morning before they hit the streets. Mm-hmm. Um so he should have known, but um he looked in there, he did leave a there was a card that Richard left. It was a little uh one of those phone cards and it was for a dental office. So hmm. The police put out a uh, 24-hour surveillance on that dental place. They were checking records. They were trying to see if Richard, or well, they didn't know who he was, but they were trying to look for someone that had bad breath or fit the description coming in or out of that dental facility. And for days, they staked it out and couldn't find anybody. 
Did anybody in here got bad breath? <laughs> <laughs> and then half the people are like, well, that's why we're here. Well, that's why we're here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> if we didn't, we wouldn't be here. Well, this cop's not too smart, any. <laughs> hey, Goofy. All right, Goof. He's like, oh, you go. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. Dude, you seriously could have your own voice show. <laughs> I know. I, I got a lot that I haven't even dove into because I'm looking for the right time, but you know, it's not there. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> so that sucked. And they're they're trying to stake this, you know, dentist place out July 7th, two days after he beat that poor 16-year-old girl. He went to Monterey Park and zeroed in on 61-year-old Joyce Nelson. <clears throat> he, he crept through her window. Once entering, he tried to rape her. And one of her biggest fears, her daughter would say, is her being raped. She was always self-conscious of that, always feared men. She was always never comfortable in situations like that. Well, Richard was giving her her worst nightmare but credit to her she fought with her life she did not get raped but she did get savagely beaten to death so bad Ugh. that that the avia shoe print was on her face he stomped what? her out dang yeah he stomped her out huh yeah, that one's rough. <clears throat> um, he beat her that bad. He beat her that bad, and Jeez. and he didn't even wait an hour. He wasn't satisfied. He went three blocks away wow. and found and found Sophie Diekman. He entered her house. He began to assault her, rape her, and then when he tried to strangle her. She pleaded for her life and said the same thing that Miss Kyle said. And she repeated the same allegiance that he asked Kyle to do. And she saved her life by submitting to Satan. Mm. Once he left, the reports and a better picture, the best picture they had of Richard was being drawn by a sketch artist by the police. Mm -hmm. And the same smells, everything was reported, and the media was all over this. It was now turning national because he did it again. And Richard was watching television 24-7, eating it all up and realizing, I need to be a little bit more careful next time. Mm. So one man is doing the kidnappings, abductions of little kids, raping, murder, it's unlike anything the police have ever seen before. And all this and they can't catch him. Can't even catch him. Can't even catch him. And <clears throat> to tell you a quick story, which I teased in the first episode of this part one, or the new part one before this one. Um, quick relation, you know, my sister at the time, which I don't claim her anymore, but she was, uh, I was five years old at the time in 85. And she was 15. Now, she had snuck out plenty of times during this time period without, mm -hmm. my, without my parents knowing. And, again, he's striking all around the Los Angeles area. And uh, one of the neighbors who was in her 70s was freaked out about the elderly women being killed and murdered. She saw my sister climb out of the window one night, and she told my parents the next day. Ooh. And 
that's the height of the Night Stalker stuff. It's all over the news. And my dad and gave her sneaking out. Oh, and she's God. sneaking out. And my dad spanked her to within an inch of her life with a belt <laughs> when it was legal to do so, pops? by the way. Yeah, pops. No, you're not going you're not gonna sneak out of this house. <laughs> he was super mad. And uh he gave I'm it to secretly her. laughing. <laughs> nah, he was upset because my mom was freaking out because she's like, Ralph, you need to make sure she don't get out. She's gonna be murdered. And she my, you know, my mom was blown up by the news. You know, she was she she was watching it too, so um, my dad took these pretty much four inch nails and like those framing nails. I think they're maybe even five inch. And we had those wooden window frames because he was scared that, you know, she left the windows open. He could just, you know, the night stalker could come in because that's everyone was talking about. Even at five years old, I remember everybody talking about the night stalker. Mm. And so he hammered from the outside the window shut all over the house so she couldn't get out. And I remember years later saying, Dad, what if we had a fire? <laughs> you would have cooked this, man. I mean, what's going on? And uh, he's like, well, you had to protect. You had to protect my daughter at the time. You didn't know that crazy maniac was out there. <laughs> <laughs> I missed my opportunity, by the way, when you said four inch nails or five inch nails. I was going to say, are you sure it wasn't nine inch nails? Oh, my God. See, I missed it. <laughs> I missed it. You still brought it to the table. I still brought it to the table, but it would have hit better. (laughs) Exactly. But uh, we're going to leave it there. What? (laughs) How are you going to do that, man? Because we have too much more to go. Uh, We got one one more part to go before we close this uh, Night Stalker case out. Man, you talk about your family. You talk about your, your, your blood. Well, your sister by blood and then you tell, just drop it off right here and say we're done <laughs> yeah i had to finish it off with my own you know uh own experience with a night stalker traumatized traumatized city because i mean los angeles was in fear for an almost mm-hmm. an entire calendar year i mean it was it was it was pretty bad that's scary i, I wasn't, wasn't born yet. yet i wasn't born yet <laughs> But I'm quite sure if I was born, my parents know how they were. I was born the next year, but I was in another country. Yeah, they, <laughs> they would have been freaking out, too. You guys are making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, brother. Yeah, it's okay, dude. I'll wrestle him in a, in a python match, brother. <laughs> oh, man. I want to hear part three because it's like you're going to details that I didn't hear before. So, bro, uh, I left out eighty percent of this stuff from the last case. From the last case, that's why I'm like, some of it I can remember, but I'm like the other one's like, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think I pretty much did about only twenty percent of the case. Um, it was mostly dates. I didn't I didn't have the details from you know because from whatever website I was trying to go from the first time to get the information. It wasn't the same, so I used a little bit off the of Netflix, and then I had a lot of information from detailed. When I just looked up the the uh, victims, I, I found so much information on it, each one, so I was able to get into that, and then how they went about it, and then there's a lot of news stories you can archive. So it, it was it wasn't too bad. It, it took it took me a couple days, but um, you know, for this episode alone, so that's why there's a lot too I got set up for part three. Can't wait. Yeah, that'll be a finale, I promise. We'll wrap it up in the next one. 
right. It's a Damn, good thing we redid it. Gory. <laughs> yeah, this one was pretty brutal, huh, guys? It was. It was. It was. Um, it's just like him targeting children and then targeting elderly women. It's like, no, those are the two that you don't mess with. We don't mess with that, exactly. I mean, I'm not saying people in between should be messed with. Obviously, nobody should. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying it's just that much more nasty and horrific when it's the innocent ones that They're can't vulnerable. fend for themselves. Yeah, the vulnerable ones. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's tough. It's just really a really tough case. Mm. Well, thank you very much, Todd. Look what you done did. <laughs> Hopefully, you guys can sleep now because right now on the, on the West Coast is ten forty-five. So, uh, I think we'll be sleeping with uh, one eye open. Yes, please close your windows tonight. Definitely close our windows. Definitely close our windows mm. in case the night stalker wants to do something again. But uh. Yeah. Now that you told me he's dead, where's he gonna come from? Hey, there could be another <laughs> nice talk. Oh, jeez, way, way to uh, oh, make her feel good right there. Right. Her. There you go. Jeez. There you go. I'm he's supposed saying. to be like, babe, they don't this exist my no more. Protecting me. <laughs> yeah, he's supposed to be like, babe, they don't exist no more. I'm your protector. Don't worry about. It. He's like, well, there could be more. There could be more. Could be more. <laughs> yeah, hey, thanks. But don't worry, I, I got you. Yeah, okay. No, bring them on. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, with that being said, <laughs> yeah. we're going to close it off right here, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Todd Fox, for breaking down part two of the Night Stalker. Uh, we'll be finishing up part three pretty soon. But before we get into that, we want to let you guys know real quickly where you can find us. Go to Facebook and Instagram. Just type in grinding true crime there you can follow our page like our page and comment on our page and we'll get back to you as soon as possible you can listen to us on your podcast streams go to podbean spotify anchor itunes pandora and podvine and for those listening to us outside of the country continue to listen to us on radio public breaker pocket cast and Podchaser. <sighs> so this has been another episode of grinding true crimes and we are about to sign off this has been your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab and narrator Todd Fox. And we are signing off. Toodles. Peace. Y'all come back now, you hear? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs>